morning. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 307 RPG podcast. I'm Patrick. I'm Nolan. I'm Zach. Fellas, what's... Oh, wait, hold on. Before we get say, before I say, fellas, what's new, I know what we're going to hear. Nolan's going to tell me all about Dark Alliance. So we're just going to skip the what's new, because I know that's going to be our primary focus for a few minutes. And we're going to go ahead and introduce our special guest for this week. Joining us this week is Bill from the Dungeon Master Dojo, which is an outstanding podcast that I think everybody should be listening to. And we'll tell you why here in just a little bit. Bill, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me back, guys. We are excited to have you. So we are going to get to your show in just a little bit, but we do need to dive into the news. And as we do on this show, we like to include you guys, all of our special guests in the news and get your opinion. Big news for this week is going to be over in Dungeons and Dragons. That is the release of Dark Alliance. And I'm going to shut my mouth and let Nolan go on about this because he has been telling us all sorts of stuff. And Nolan, if you're okay with it, I'm going to be sharing some of your screenshots from the game in the, the show notes. Yeah, it sounds good. All right. Tell us about Dark Alliance. Uh, first things first, uh, if you can pick it up, do it through Game Pass because it's not for everyone. <laughs> Unfortunately, if you read the reviews, they're horrible. It's the worst game ever made. Can't believe it was launched that way. Um, I sat down and played it and I'm having fun with it. I enjoy it. I took it for what it is. It's a $30 game, a little hack and slash. Uh, the cutscenes I enjoy, the graphics I've enjoyed, the combat I've enjoyed. Um, there are obviously some flaws and there's some game breaking things, but, and I guess by game breaking, it's if you choose to exploit it, um, uh, it's good. I don't know. I'm probably the only person on the planet that's saying that right now, but I've enjoyed it. It's fun. Um, and yeah, I, there's just a lot of little nuances that I, I just have enjoyed. And I was telling uh, the guys earlier that just the goblins talking trash to Dritz is the funniest thing ever of why do you need two weapons? Are you that bad? Is the best thing ever right before you go and hack and slash them up. Um, <laughs> I've just enjoyed the banter. Uh, the voice acting has been really solid. The, there's a merchant in the starting area that's a deep gnome that's friends with Regis and Regis isn't in this and he apparently has believed every lie Regis has ever told him before so he's like you know if Regis was here this whole thing would be solved I mean I can't believe he took care of you know the, the shard last time all by himself and you know you don't know what lies have been told and so the banter has been fun I know the trailers have been really people have been really disappointed in the trailers as far as just kind of, I don't know, cringy or funny and they expected it to be serious. Um, and I've enjoyed it too, because anytime I've ever sat down and played D and D that's what our table turns into. Uh, it is never serious. It is never, you know, this epic thing. It's usually some guy charging in in front of everybody else shouting Tempest while everybody else is like, why did we waste all that time on a plan? Go get them. And, and that's usually how it happens. So I felt like they were people who have actually played D&D &D that are enjoying themselves. Um, but again, I know a lot of people that got uh, rebates very early. Uh, some of the ranged components are not there, but it's a fun game. I'm enjoying it. So it, it, you mentioned the whole Screaming Tempest. So are you saying that there is definitely the Roy Jenkins types moments in D&D? Usually. There's no <laughs> planning. As somebody who continues to build classes that will have a plus 10 in stealth and never rolls stealth because you have a dwarf that's rocking chainmail stomping through the dungeon. Yeah. Who is the quietest dwarf he's ever heard. Exactly. So, exactly. yeah, that's that, that's usually how the groups go. And I, I enjoy that fact that they're just kind of uh, 
embracing that side of the game. And I think you would have to be, you know, I think we've seen this before is you have to be a little deranged to be an adventurer considering that you're out there murdering tons and tons of creatures. So I think it is, you are a weird back of the house line cooks, you know, that are the strange people that have to work that shift and they're some of the best people I ever know. So. Fair, fair. Zach, have you given this game a try yet? Uh, no, and I don't think I will. It's okay. nothing against the game. It's just not the kind of game that I want to play. Okay. Bill, what about anything, you? Anything where you have to grind for loot, I just don't I don't play it. I so tried. Play I can't Diablo. play Diablo. I can't play Diablo. I just can't do it, guys. Bill, is this are you a video gamer? Um, unfortunately I am not. I'm in Zach's camp here. For me, it's tabletop. Uh, always has been, always Bill, first love. I tried them. I've tried a bunch of them. I tried the MMOs, I tried the uh, the computer games, but it just never held my interest for very long. And it, it just didn't feel right for me. So, I mean, I, I have looked, I read the reviews. Uh, yes, they are um, critical. <laughs> but I I'd also seen quite a few reviews that said if you just wait it out and, and give it a chance, um, you might come to like it. So, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to bash a game I haven't played, but I, I can come in and look at it pretty pretty neutrally and saying, you know, gee, it it looks like it's starting bad, but I think everyone has high expectations of the original game and that they are they have that in their head and they should look at it as a standalone game and that will probably give it a little bit fairer shot. I think that's a good point. I did see this morning, you talked about waiting it out. I saw this morning that apparently Cyberpunk 2077 is still having issues. So maybe Cyberpunk has spoiled people on, uh, or I should, I should say soured people on waiting it out because, yeah, I guess Cyberpunk is still pretty bad, which is well, really unfortunate. I think you're up against yeah. a timeline, I think, with everything. We've been talking about a lot with, uh, we play World of Warcraft, the new patch is coming out. They've been on a timeline where they release stuff every two years, like clockwork. Are they going to cut this expansion short? All that kind of stuff. And it's like, you know, I don't know if developers necessarily get a chance to have a say sometimes, because at the end of the day, it's the parent company telling them it's going live. Hope you're ready. And, and, and it, yeah. you know, I, I don't think a lot of people sit down with that game and, you know, you play cyberpunk or you see the reviews and the car all of a sudden is rubber banding across the map into the moon. And they're like, yep, it's playable. Send it live. You know, it's, like, <laughs> it's that's yeah. not a good way to go. So I, I don't think they get a lot of choice on it. Um, it is unfortunate that we're starting to see that more. I don't know the last game I played where I was like, this is launch ready. Like everything is, Hey, giant day one patch or two weeks in giant patch. And so I think, I don't know, I'm getting used to it, uh, which is sad, but yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So in other D&D news, the D&D themed Magic the Gathering set is right around the corner. If I remember correctly, the release date for this set is July 23rd. Uh, have you guys, I don't know if Zach, I know you're not a Magic player and, and Nolan, I know you tend to look every once in a while because you quasi are a Magic player. Have you guys followed the cards? Have you followed the spoilers for this set? There is some news. They have I've done looked at some of them. Oh my gosh, the artwork on these cards are amazing. And I especially love, they've done these alternate art cards. The alternate art card for Evolving Wilds is an old TSR cover for a module. And it looks so cool. I, I'm like, I just want the card now. <laughs> I'm going to pay like $20 for a goddamn Evolving Wilds. It's like a 10 cent card. And I think I've seen a lot of like the alternate art for the characters is that, uh, you know, original D and D style art. And it's like, Oh, you bastards. 
So I'm curious, Bill, are you a magic player? I am not, but I do own quite a few magic cards because I use them. I use them for, because of the artwork, I use it for uh, inspiration for a lot of the the homebrew monsters because I'll grab two cards randomly and I'm like, okay, how can I blend these together and make something unique? That's very cool. That's a great idea. How, which is funny because that piggybacks on what they're doing with this set. Uh, there's some art I, cards I, that are I, being. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. So they're releasing some art cards that have D and D stats on them. So you'll have a monster that has D and D stats on it, and I'm assuming they're pulling like I think the one I saw was the floof or something like that, or the flump, or I can't remember. But I know it was a magic thing a couple flump. years back. Yeah. So that you you do see these things coming out, and then even like like we mentioned before, the the lands, the mana have D and D hooks in them. So it's written on the te- in the text box, like in a swamp, and it'll say something about you find this, and, and it's you know, it's ways to kind of trigger an adventure. And I thought, I think that's really neat. So what I think we're going to see, and Zach, this ties into how you talk about the linearness of, of the products between Wizards of the Coast. Uh, so I think what we're going to see is, I'm sorry, not the linearness, but y- you know what I mean. Um, you're going to see D&D players who have no interest in playing Magic picking up these cards because... There are, it's a, just an extra D&D product for you to pick up. One of the cards I spotted was making reference to Waterdeep. And, you know, I, as I'm going through the, some, the one of the last spoiler set, it's like, oh, this is like, you know, a flashback. <laughs> I'm having a, a nostalgia. Wow, I remember this and I remember that and I remember that, you know. So I, I think they're on the right track with that to draw in a lot of your, like you said, a lot of the D&D players who will pick them up who don't play Magic. And I use them for a completely different reason, but I can see myself picking up some of these cards because I looked at some of the players and, and you're right, the artwork is gorgeous. Uh, I'm jealous. I, I can't draw a stick figure without it looking like it got hit by a car. So yeah, I just, so, yeah, horrible. So I look at this stuff and I'm, I'm enamored by it. I, I agree. And I think this is probably going to be one of those where I go ahead and pick up a box of it. And I don't know that I'll do more than that, um, just because I, I do think it's interesting. Although I will say the alternate art for the Dritz and his companions is pretty badass. And it's something that I'm like, you know, I wouldn't mind having one of each of those. Because I am a magic player and I do collect magic cards, so I think it'd be fun to have. Uh, so anyway, if you want to check out the spoilers, I do have a link in the show notes so anybody can go and check that out. I do recommend it, especially if you're a D&D player. It's kind of neat to see artwork for like Vorpal Sword or Portable Hole or things like that because it's just fun. So make sure you check that out. I didn't see, well, unless we get into the whole TSR th- debacle, which I'm not sure I really want to do today because we still want to give Bill some time to talk. But Zach Nolan, do you, are you guys familiar with the TSR debacle? Didn't see it. No. So Bill, Bill and I were talking about this earlier, and it is indeed a debacle. Um, Excellent word. It really is. Uh, let's just say um, we're going to just tread around this topic just real quick because it is it is quasi D&D related. And Bill and I have talked about it some. Uh, so, Bill, you're going to have to correct me if I'm wrong here. So TSR Games or maybe it's TSR Gaming, uh, was... Uh, so, uh, okay, let me back up. TSR is the original label that D&D was published under. That is the label that Gary Gygax created back in 1978, I think. I, I don't remember the exact year. Eventually, it was bought up by... was 74? So eventually, it was bought so, up yeah. by, by Wizards of the Coast. Um, and Wizards of the Coast produced D&D under the TSR label for, I believe, until 2000, at which point they stopped producing it under the TSR label and started producing it under the Watsi label. 
Well, there was something about a trademark that got let, released or Wizards, since Wizards was no longer producing under it, and I believe it had to be TSR Games, but somebody else picked it up and started creating the Gygax magazine. And mm. there's, again, this weird, somebody dropped the trademark and or the proper filing, and somehow... Ernest Gygax, Gary's son, has now picked it up and he's now got this TSR something. I can't remember exactly what it is, but he's made some pretty <laughs> disparaging comments lately that has got everybody going, what the hell? In fact, I saw a TikTok just 45 minutes ago where this guy's like, you know what? You are riding your dad's coattails. You are the kind of person we do not want in this community. Just fade away. Yeah, harsh, but 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 a common. That's a harsh, yeah. but common uh, point right now. Um, I, I, yeah. I will not give any point of view for where I am on the thing. I've just been following it right along and, uh, I had high hopes that something would come around, you know, see the Gygax name back out there again. But right now the, the water's a little muddy. So mm, just we'll, a little. <laughs> we'll see where this, we'll see how it settles out and uh, we'll go right. from there. So, and I didn't have enough time to really dig into this, to have it in the show notes. I did want to touch on it lightly and let people know that it is out there. If you want to look into it and find out what all he said, there is a, an hour and a half interview uh, with him that where he states the things that he says. So if you want to go watch it, go watch it. I don't have a link in the show notes. You have to do that on your own. So that's, that's the TSR debacle. And we're going to move on to Onyx path at this point. <laughs> All right. So all the big news from Onyx Pass was announced a couple of weeks ago at Onyx PathCon. Uh, so nothing really big there to talk about. I will say that the Exalted Essence Kickstarter has come to an end. And according to Rich Thomas, this was their fastest funded Kickstarter to date, which surprised me because I thought Cults of the Blood God did so, so well. Apparently this one was even better. Bill, have you ever played or know of Exalted? I do know of Exalted. I, I would love to play it, um, but it's it's not the forte of my group a little bit overpowered we're all we all like to start as the grunts in the in the gutter and work our way up and you, you don't necessarily start there with exalted no you do uh, not you know be you know being bequeathed with godly powers and things along those lines so it is something i'm very interested in i mean i followed a lot of the onyx products um so I, I looked at, I read it, I was considering getting it, but it didn't look like something that was going to fit my group. So I haven't pursued it from that point on. I'll probably, now that I've seen the, the essence come out, I'm probably going to pick it up anyways, because I just like the way that it, the essence is set up, um, how they've put, you know, a number of things in there. Um, I mean, you, you start off with player types right in there and, you know, and the, the, uh, the charms, I think the charms are awesome you know, that for the different classes. So I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of getting re-enamored of it when I, when I was reading about it and it's like, eh, I gotta see if I can talk a couple of the guys going and, you know, and see if we can get this up and running. I was told many years ago, uh, probably 20 years ago now, some friends of mine were big into exalted and they told me it was, they said, imagine playing dragon ball Z <laughs> in a role-playing game. He says, yeah. as your starting character, <laughs> And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I can yeah. get into that. <laughs> All the power. Yeah, so my, my group, my, my group, my group, like starting, you know, low level and building the character up and, you know, building them up to that point. And that's, that's the fun that we have is the build and starting. There's a few that would, you know, like playing the high level, you know, games and high level players. But for the most part, we, we like the low level stuff to start with. So we'll see if we can get some of them talked into it. But I said, I'm kind of getting re-enamored with it, with the, with the essence. So. We'll see what happens. 
Yeah, I say I, I will say nothing makes Zach groan more when he says, what level are we? And I say level one. <laughs> I just don't I just don't want to start a level one anymore. <laughs> He'd rather I say level seven. Right. Let's so see well, Zach so is right, it's right <laughs> up your alley. So, so does Nolan because you can't multi-class at level one. Exactly. You can't. <laughs> you got to have a weird, weird plan getting into that thing. That's right. <laughs> what is in your pocket? Oh, this thing? I looted off a corpse. It happens to be a holy symbol and this weird thing that may or may not belong to a warlock. Who knows? What are you? A fighter? <laughs> what? <laughs> Here's my lockpicks that I won't use until level seven. I'm going right? to practice every day, <laughs> I, though. I, all right, I don't know how to use them yet, but I think it'll come in handy like ten years from now. <laughs> yeah, this is what I deal with, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> They're not even exaggerating. This is what I deal with. <laughs> oh no, I can see it. I can see it on their faces. Oh yeah, this this is exactly it. There's a there's a method. Oh, man. In other Audix Path news, uh, Trail of Ash and Bone, which is a supplement for V5, uh, which was part of the uh, Cults of the Blood God Kickstarter, was released in print-on-demand format for Onyx Path this week. So if you want to get a copy of that, I suggest you do it soon, and that's going to be through Drive-Thru RPG. There is a link in the show notes that will send you to the Trail of Ash and Bone supplement uh, that is through our affiliate link. So remember, every time you purchase something through the links on our website, we do get a small kickback. But I want to jump to Drive-Thru RPG because this is something that I think is going to affect a lot of gamers. The company recently announced an increase in pricing for their print-on-demand books. Drive-Thru said that the rate increase is something they didn't want to do, but because of the significant rise in printing costs, they had no choice. Prices will be increasing on July 1st, so make sure to grab what other, whatever POD book you are looking for now. In fact, many publishers have their POD books on sale right now. While you're at it, make sure, again, click the link for the ad on our website so we can get a small kickback and you get an awesome book. Before we dive into the whole pod issue bill have you ever purchased anything through print on demand through drive through rpg i haven't although i have researched it extensively because it's something that might come up in the, the dmd's future pretty soon so hmm. you know i've been you know we've been playing along uh researching going through the cost and i have noticed that the cost we've got notifications that the costs are going to be going up and if you're going to make a move and, and things like that so uh, i am aware of it uh, most of the uh, being old school i'm I, I go to the, I look for the stores. Um, these days it's been Amazon because, you know, with the zombie apocalypse, you're kind of stuck home um, and it takes too long to get the bars off the windows. So I have, but I haven't re uh, purchased anything on the, uh, on print on demand as of yet, but I'm, I'm see it in our near future. That is something that um, POD is something that I use regularly. In fact, my, my son was just telling me he has apparently a package of like five POD books that he just ordered, which I'm like, where the hell did you get the money? You barely work. <laughs> <laughs> apparently he figured it out. I, I shouldn't say that because he, he works pretty well. So I thought this was interesting that, because Onyx Path also talked about it in their Monday meeting notes. This is in very much because of the pandemic. Uh, Drive-Thru has said that with all sorts of, and we're seeing it everywhere, right? The cost of wood has gone up, like the cost of lumber has gone up. The cost of all sorts of goods and materials has has just gone through the roof. Uh, Nolan, you're in the car industry. You know exactly what we're talking about with the 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 microchip that 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 you guys are having issues with. And you know, it's it's interesting that we're seeing this and, and I would guarantee we're going to see the cost of books like paperback and hardback books going up significantly as well as these printer costs go up. Drive through said that this is going to be a significant increase in price, which is unfortunate. Um, but 
I don't, I, I guess that's just how it is. So I'm, I'm concerned, yeah. especially as someone who does use the POD service. DriveThru does a fantastic job with their POD service. It really is top, top notch stuff. You have your option of standard uh, color or premium color, and it's usually like a the standard is a little bit harder stock paper. The premium is tends to be a little bit higher gloss paper. Uh, I've done both. Both of them are very well put together. So I'm, I'm, I am very concerned about this because I do think this is going to force a lot of people to buy more PDFs. So I just thought we should make sure that our, our listeners know about this, especially if they are fans of the PODs. Uh, it's definitely something that's going to affect us as gamers. I'm going to have to remember to tell my, my co-host Scott, because he does use the POD uh, fairly often. So I have to let him know to put together a big order. <laughs> yeah. And soon and do it through our link. <laughs> Um, I just learned about this last night uh, through a, an email that I got from Chaosium, and I thought it was really interesting, and I wanted to make sure we included it in the show today, and that is the Storytelling Collective. Again, I learned about this through Chaosium's newsletter. This is a, a program that will help you write and publish your first uh, RPG adventure. It's called the RPG Writer Workshop. This is a month-long course that will help you write a 3,500-word adventure and then again, help you publish it. There are different, quote, paths to choose from, depending on the type of adventure you want to write. So there is the DMs Guild path to help you write D&D adventures. There is the Call of Cthulhu path to help you write Call of Cthulhu adventures. And then there is this, the generic path to help you write an adventure of a game of your choice. The cost is $35, which seems very low to me to have a professional game developer or writer help you learn how to write something, especially over the course of, of a month, uh, you're going to have interactions with, with the teachers. You're going to have like access to discord support, all these things to help you out. And for $35, this seems really reasonable to me. Nolan, I'm curious, what are your thoughts on something like this? I think that's the, the scary part, right? Of telling the story or writing it is you just never know, uh, how to get it out or lay it out. Uh, and I think any kind of, you can get the guidance of getting the stuff in your brain onto paper um so seeing somebody to help with that format i you know like you said the cost seems strong as far as a fair value uh you don't know what it entails you know as far as that goes but uh yeah layout and design of getting the garbage in your brain out is always helpful and something that i struggle with and it seems like it's i mean you know if you could get that system down in the format through a a nice little mini course and help you going forward i don't see a negative with that zach how about you i think it's a I think the cost is great. I don't think they could ch I don't think they could charge more because I think people who are really devoted could find resources online to help them with that. And so to offer all of that service for a low price, I think it's really enticing. And I think a lot of people who wouldn't even try knowing that they can get some help to get like going to get their first thing out there and then to have like a pipeline to being published. I think that's great. I think, I think more people should write all the time. I don't care if it's good or bad. I think people need to get that gunk out there. That's fair. That's fair. Bill, you're a longtime RPG player. What are your thoughts on a workshop like this? I'm ecstatic. I think this is absolutely fantastic. Some of us have been doing this a long time, and it's fairly easy to throw an adventure together, uh, sometimes right off the top of your head. Not everyone can do that, and a lot of people have to think through the process and develop and try to figure out their plot. 
and be able to give, get it, like you said, get the junk out of your head and, and have someone help you figure that out. I think that anything that helps develop and further the hobby, I think is fantastic. And for people who have never done this or are, have been doing it and are really tentative about putting their product out there going, is this something anyone's even going to be interested in? Someone's always going to be interested in it. They are. Uh, The perspective from people is way too diverse for people not to be interested in what Mm -hmm. you put out there. That's the good part. There's always going to be critics and say, well, gee, I could have done better. Well, okay. Where's your book? Yeah, right. Uh, You could have done better, but you didn't. So shut the hell up. And yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah I I'm, I'm ecstatic about this for, for new dungeon masters, for new writers. I, I think this is an avenue that they should really look into. And like you said, the cost I think is just about where it needs to be. You're going to get a good, well, I'll, we'll go to the website and see, but I'm going to assume you're going to get a good bang for your buck. And I think it's something that if you are not sure, try it. It's $35. Mm-hmm. It's worth it. Yeah, it's a good yeah. value. Where I, you're not going to miss it. I agree with you. I think there's a lot of people out there who are like, this isn't like, this is trash. Or like, I could have done a better job. But like, okay, but you didn't. You know? Yep. And yeah. I think there's a ton of people out there. It's like, if you have something that you want to write, there's a subreddit or a forum or a library that would love to have what you've written. Absolutely. And so if, it, if this yep. is going to help people go out there and do it, I'm all for it. So when I read about this last night, I, I don't mind running the D&D adventures from the books. But I think back to like the first adventure that we started playing after A Curse of Strahd, and that was the, the Tale of the Ninehorn God. Uh, this is a story that I created, and we ran for several months. And then it just got to the point where I got bogged down on so many other things that we couldn't continue it. That is a story I would love to go back to and finish, but it's also a story that I struggle with because I just don't know where to go with it. I have the end, you know, the grand end in mind, but getting there is the issue. And I also think that, you know, there is something to be said about having a side gig where you're writing your passion and putting it on a platform where it can be purchased. And if you have a way to plot that out and help you get there, that's great. And, and I speak to this with a lot of experience in that I'm currently in a graduate program and I have to write papers all the time, like all the time, right? In fact, that's what I was doing in between waiting for the previous interview and doing this interview. So I I was working on my paper. Well, one of the things that I do that helps me get through my papers very quickly is I have an outline and I have like, okay, I'm going to talk about this here and this here, and it is all detailed in the paper. And then I have a table of contents. So everything works as like a chapter. So I know like, okay, I need to do this section. Today, I'm just going to work on this section. I need to do this section. And I can focus just on that section. When you have an outline, when you have a skeleton that helps you fill in the pieces, you're able to move through through things a lot more succinctly and with a lot more focus. Because you can say, today, I'm just focusing on this section. And, and just get that done. 
So I've I've already decided I'm actually going to take this course. I want to do this because I want to see what it's like. Uh, at thirty five dollars, I I cannot eat out one night and pay and pay for this class, right? right? <laughs> so so I'm I'm all for it. I, I'm going to go ahead and sign up for it and, and see what it's like. I'll report I'll report back at the end of the <laughs> month. <laughs> All right, so that is going to bring us to our topic of the night. There is some other news that we could have discussed, but I wanted to make sure we had enough time to, for Bill to tell us all about the Dungeon Master Dojo and just how they came about. There is some new stuff from Modiphius that for Star Trek Adventures. If you want to learn about that, go check out on their website. Uh, there was also some stuff I saw that Chaosium is re-releasing in color, some of their older uh, Call of Cthulhu books. So make sure you go and check that out as well. Uh, so right now we're going to go and just we're going to jump over to Bill and, and talk about his podcast, the Dungeon Master Dojo. We thought it'd be great to have Bill on here to talk about it because this is what our show is all about. We like bringing in creators and talking about their stuff. So, Bill, we're just going to flip it to you and tell us all about what is the Dungeon Master Dojo? Uh, it's the uh, brainchild of three old men who probably shouldn't be doing stuff like this. <laughs> the impetus of it was at our week-long game and we'd go, we take off with a bunch of guys for it and we run a week-long campaign. Uh, and as we're sitting on the, the porch on a break or after dinner, um, the sub, one of the many subjects that pops up was, hey, we should do a podcast someday. And we all chuckled and laughed and went, yeah, <laughs> three old guys like us, that'd be funny. We have no idea what a podcast is about. So, it, And that's where it stopped. Uh, a few months later, uh, Lou, our producer, gets got a call and says, were you serious about the podcast? Now, this is right about the very beginning of the uh, pandemic because we went away in february and had our our getaway and then a month later the you know the zombie apocalypse started so we scott the two of them went back and forth and, and scott's like why he's like well i have all the equipment in my basket in my cart um you say go and i'll click buy and so he calls me and and uh bill um were you serious about a podcast? I went, I, hey, I'm game for anything. I have no idea what we're doing, but I guess we'll figure it out as we go. Why? Well, Lou's got all the stuff sitting in the cart. It says, tell him, click, click buy. And that's how it started. We sat down, we, we did some outlines, and we just decided what we were going to talk about. Uh, we listened to quite a few podcasts that were out there, a lot of live play. And we went, well, we don't want to do live play. There's, there's a lot of live play what isn't there a lot of and it turned out to be instructional there's not a lot of instructional stuff there is for players but there isn't for the game masters or at least there's not much and we decided that's going to be the avenue we're going to take uh, i don't think it would it started off uh, our, that was our immediate direction uh, we talked about it quite a bit before we pulled the trigger and then we sat down and said let's just just talk about what we know um, we've said a, a hundred times, we are not professionals by any means. We're just three old guys who've been doing this a really long time. Um, I've been gaming for 50 years. So I got a little bit of experience. <laughs> just <laughs> just a little bit. Uh, and we, that's what we talk about. It's our perspective on what's coming up. What we think, you know, what we think is just, just, it's just our opinion, but we think on particular subjects that we've, we've done. Uh, whether it's uh, how to be a good player, how to be a good game master, good habits, bad habits, what you should and shouldn't do. Uh, it is no no way a an edict. It is just our opinion. But it is an opinion from a bunch of guys who've been doing it for decades. 
So take it or leave it. I think it was, in fact, I'm looking through messages because Lou reached out to me in June of 2020 mm-hmm. and, and let me know that you guys were starting your show and he was asking for some support. And and I'm always, and I and no one knows this, I, I tend to be very careful when somebody reaches out and says, hey, will you support our show? I'm like, well, first off, I need to listen to your show to make sure it's something that we can support because I don't want to get on here and, and support something that frankly is just bad right that's going to make us look bad i mean i don't care about like the quality if if what you're talking about is is something that deserves to be out there then i don't care about the quality i'll I'll definitely support it but if you're going to be out there and just start spewing all sorts of crap then i'm like nope sorry we can't support that and i so i did i went and listened to a couple of shows i'm like oh yeah this is absolutely a show i can get despite the fact that we spew crap so we (laughs) well you spew the good crap not not the stuff not the not the Ernest Gagax crap. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I and it took me a little bit to get back to him. I think it was like four or five days for before I finally got back to him, let him know that hey, yeah, we we definitely would give you guys a shout out on our show, and and you guys have been on our website for a while, um, as you know, people you should be listening to. So and we appreciate that. I, but I am curious. Yeah, no problem. I am curious though. You said you've been gaming for fifty years. Yes. So what? You started when you were like five. Um, well, I keep telling everyone I'm 622 years old, so it makes, you know, that way it oh, makes it easier. If you listen to the enough. podcast, so, apparently I've like, you know, dated Betty, Betsy Ross and uh, went to school with Napoleon and, uh, it's, it's the guys like to, uh, to bring up my age every now and again. But, uh, I started when I was about seven, seven and a half, uh, with the, uh, with the chain mail set. I was actually playing a little oh. bit, a uh, few games before that. But I had a, a wildly overactive imagination that was recognized by one of the older brothers to one of my friends I hung around with. And so we need to redirect these guys before they get into more trouble than they already do. And he, he uh, happened to be out in the um, in uh, Lake Geneva area and would frequent a shop that they did military and uh, military hmm. and strategy games. And they were developing a brand new game there. And he came home with a some rough drafts of that and said, here, give this a try. And, uh, that's, wow. that started off. Yeah. It was uh, a three ring binder with, uh, with, <laughs> you know, notes and things like that to start with. And, and that's how I got started. So when Chainmail come out, I was already playing the, playing the rule set before it was actually published. And then same thing with the D and D stuff. I was usually already had it incorporated into a game by the time it was actually published. So I've been playing and uh, consistently and constantly uh, every single week until the pandemic hit. I have I've had a a game at my house or somewhere else at the gaming shops uh, two three nights a week in the in the young days. But I until I said until uh, COVID hit, I've had a uh, I think it's been since 1978. I've had a continuous game going at my house. That's awesome! Wow. So yeah, I got a couple of years under my belt. What keeps, what keeps you coming back week after week? Seeing my friends, plain, plain and simple. Uh, I enjoy being around, you know, my friends of like mind. Uh, it, it's, I mean, I've been through, you know, the, oh, you're just a nerd and a geek and you're playing this goofy ass game. And, and I've been through the satanic panic and I've seen the decline of the game. And now I'm seeing the resurgence of the game. I, but I, the entire time it's given me a chance to get together with a bunch of my friends every week. And the game is an excuse. And it's just something that's really, really fun for all of us. 
first and foremost. It's it's a what people. is your part? Pardon? What is your part in the game? Are you the DM? Are you a player? Does that role change? I was the game master from the very beginning because no one else knew or wanted to do it. So I was a game master for a good sounds so familiar. Probably a good thirty plus years I was a game master and did that almost exclusively. I mean I played at other tables, but for my table and more often than not, I was running at a lot of the gaming shops and the eighties gaming shops were on every corner. I frequented a few of them on a regular basis and would run tables. That's how I met Lou. I met Lou at a gaming table when I was running a TMNT game at a place called the Pony Soldier. And that's how we got introduced. And we've been friends for 30 plus years since. Yeah. Today, came down here. We finished off a two-year scenario and uh, told the boys, okay, um, in two weeks at the end of this, I will no longer game master. And they all just stopped and looked at me. I says, uh, I've been doing this for 30, 35 years. I'm done game mastering. Someone else you want, you can come here every single week if you want. I don't care if we just sit here and just talk. But you want a game? Someone else is running the game. And they all slack-jawed for about five minutes. And then a couple of them picked up and said, all right, I'll do this and do this. And a few of them, and Scott, unfortunately got dragged into the primary game master and now he is firmly entrenched in the into the hole that i dug myself out of <laughs> and now he's the game master that's looking for somebody else to take a break but yeah, so I, I i play mostly now i will game master now and again i'll step in and, and do a one shot or a little small thing here and there if someone else doesn't show up at the i'll actually further their game and just tell them all right this is what i did while you were gone I, I, it looked like it was obvious and like oh like you read my notes <laughs> but uh yeah for the most now i'm just a player and a podcaster that's it fair enough fair enough nolan zach any questions so you you've experienced every edition did you play a lot of fourth edition dungeons and dragons i played every edition um when 3.5 or 3 came out i tried it and i went eh. and then 3.5 yeah. came out and i went eh. And then four came out and I was downright enraged and said, what are they doing? Um, and we went right back to two, 2.5. We played 2.5 with the powers and options and all the, the gazillion rules that along went, went along with it. But I had each and every one of them memorized, every page memorized, every spell memorized. That's where I started. That's what I, my, the dusty roll of decks I call a brain was filled with. And that's what we went back to until five. And five was a, a, a almost a renaissance, a resurgence back to the old days where it's rules light and role play heavy. And we glommed onto that and been running that pretty pretty much into the ground and having a ball doing so. So two, that would have been AD and D second edition. AD and D, right? yes, correct. Yeah, that's actually where I got my start. Was AD and D second edition? That was still using Thaco and all that fun stuff. Oh, yeah. I miss Thaco. Oh, I love it. Do yeah. you? I'm one of those ones. I, I, I'm good with math, and the numbers in my head were easy, which drove everyone absolutely mm -hmm. ballistic because they'd roll a die, and I'm like, all right, you hit AC2. And they're like, how the hell do you know that? You know, you knew everybody yeah. else's stats as well because that's just what I kept track of. I'm a numbers guy. So the it was fun. I, I didn't mind Thacko because, for me, it was easy. Most other people struggled. So I was actually the same way. <laughs> 
if somebody, somebody would roll the dice and I'm like, yeah, you hit this or yeah, you hit this. And, and I, I actually really liked Thaco. And so as, and I went away from DD for a long time. And when we came back, cause I came back in fifth edition, I'm like, what do you mean it's gone? And then somebody tried to ask me to explain it. I'm like, well, it's to hit armor class zero, but I don't exactly remember how it worked. <laughs> so, because <laughs> it's been a long time. My only experience with it was Baldur's Gate and trying uh, to have some sort of tiny text explain how this works when I'm ten. And I was just like, <laughs> "No, nah, I'm not. I'm not doing this. I'm just gonna equip the strongest weapon and just see how it works and play on the easiest difficulty." Like I'm <laughs> so. That seems like quite a, it seems like quite a gap of enjoyment from second edition to fifth edition. Like in my mind, at least they seem so different. The, the, um, is that kind of why you're having fun or do you see a similarity there that I just don't the, the similar it, it's not necessarily the similarity to two. It's similarity to the original Dungeons and Dragons. The predecessor okay. to the advanced. That's what it's most like. So for me, you know, most people look at it and go, it's like, what? Because they never played Dungeons and Dragons before the, the second edition, the advanced, you know, came out. The other incarnations of and all the way up to 2.5. I played it from the very beginning. So I remember in the beginning when it was rules, you know, light and role play heavy and let your mind go, go nuts. So for me, that was what enamored me to the game. And I, you know, you explain it to someone of the other Older gentleman, um, Scott's uh, a decade behind me, but remembers he started with the red box and he remembers way back when going, yeah, it's, it was relatively simple then. And you just let your mind do it. And it put a lot of agency on the DM to make the calls and everyone just went, okay, well, that's the call. That's the call. And you went with it and you just had fun. And five is very much like that. Although I'm seeing the, the treadmill starting up. Uh, with the books and the the additions mm -hmm. and and I hopefully hopefully they don't muddy the water the way they have with other editions by just pumping out books and pumping out books and pumping out books. So keep in my friend. I know it's not going to happen. They're going to do exactly that. But I can cling to whatever little element of hope I can put together. Well, I think there's something to be said about. Um, I didn't know why when I played three point five. But the very first rule I had from people that played second edition was doesn't matter what character you play, always make sure you have a stick that's about 10 foot long so you can search for traps in front of you. Always make sure you have <laughs> chalk in your pocket because that thing will find air drafts and ducks. You crush it, you, you know, I mean, it, there's a visible creature, you throw it, you know, like it was just all this stuff. And I'm like, chalk is amazing. I, I love like, chalk. I was just like, well, why don't I just roll perception? And they just look at you like, you need chalk. I'm like, okay, so all my characters have chalk to this day. <laughs> like, it's just like, I didn't, I didn't know. But then when you go back and look at it, it is very much that thing of like, okay, here you are in this thing. Like, what are you doing? Well, tell me what you're doing. Don't just be like, I'm searching for traps. Okay, what's your passive? Go. It was very crunchy from the standpoint of, okay, so I've got my stick. I got my quarter staff. I'm tapping ahead of me like I'm a blind person, whatever. You know, you're in the room. You don't see any doors. I whip out my chalk. I crush it. I'm looking for, you know, it was just very much in the mind. Um, and yeah, I can see that getting back to that now. Well, it helps set the theater of the mind by actually role playing as opposed to just rolling dice and looking at the stack going, okay, I made my perception check. What do I see? That's very and much that, what that, happened in fourth edition, right? It yeah. And that drove me ballistic. It, it turned I, into I, a video game. Yeah. Uh, which is what they, I think they were trying to do. And, uh, at, as I've stated earlier, 
I'm not a big video player. Uh, I'm not a big computer gamer. Uh, I, I pencil and paper for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think they were trying or to tap as that. The boys market. would say prob probably, you know, charcoal stick and a slate. It was according to the boys, but. That's fair. You mentioned muddying the waters with a lot of books. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that we've talked about a lot is the idea of every book that they put out costs $50. Now, obviously, if you pre-order it, you can save a little money. Um, and I've got a great, great relationship with our local game store where he always gives me a discount when I pick up the newest book, which is fantastic. Kaylin, we love you. Go support puzzles, everybody. Um, However, one of the things that I think they need to get back to doing, and, and I'm curious what your thoughts are on this, is stop giving us $50 books. Start giving us more of like the modules that they used to put out. Give us more adventures. Give us more small things to explore uh, in the world instead of just cranking out supplements. I, I'm curious, what do you think of something like that? It depends on the supplement. It really does. Because I think Xanathar's was a good supplement. I think it did a good job of expanding the game. But then you look at um, Tasha's and there's a good chunk of Tasha's that I look at and I just, I shake my head and go, why? Uh, I also found that um, now granted Tasha's is, is an optional book. Uh, it's a supplement. And it says all over, this is an option. This is an option. This is an option. Uh, your, um, your rules people who will go, Oh, uh, rules is written. They're going to jump up on their soapbox and scream. It's, it's published. So I'm going to use it. Uh, game masters, uh, keep in mind, you can say no, but I, I think it depends on the supplement, but I think uh, you're right. Uh, $50 is a lot to be spending over and over and over again. And then they're going to ask you to spend it again when you're on, uh, one of the online games like drive through RPG and you got to buy the book all over again mm -hmm. for pretty much the same money. Uh, adventures, they do have a fair amount of them out there. No. Uh, Scott's been grabbing up as they come out, but a lot of them are not necessarily in a small little 20, 30, 40 page um, version, which is what you're speaking to. It's another book or $30 because that's their small mm -hmm. version. And I think you're right. I think more, well, I call them modules and the guys say, no, they're adventures. And the other one says, oh, no, they're campaigns. And I'm like, okay, I'm the old guy. They're still modules. I don't give a crap what you call them. Uh, they're modules to me. Uh, so yeah, let's see some more of that. Let's see some smaller additions for a little less money to, instead of lumping them all together and cranking out yet another book for $50, let them pick and choose. The Yawning Portal is made up of a bunch of modules from older D&D adventures that they've just converted to fifth edition. I think it's cool that they've done, they, that they've done that. I would rather have seen those advent those modules broken up into like a 20 or 30 page little book that you can pick up for 10 or 15 dollars and that ultimately if i buy them all i spent the 50 dollars it's fine but give me the option of stop making me spend 50 bucks because at this point if i wanted to be a completionist which i had to prevent myself from doing my dnd habit's going to be three four hundred dollars a year mm -hmm. just buying books it doesn't talk about any ancillary products that is just buying books and then of course there is the 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 digital tool DD beyond which if we we are actually a big fan of because it made it so so much easier for people who struggle you talked about uh looking at the dice when somebody rolled their dice and being able to tell them what they hit right well there's plenty of people who struggle with that even in fifth mm -hmm. edition and i think DD beyond has taken that away so now you can just hit the dice and let the computer do its thing I, do you guys use DD beyond actually we do 
um, for a number of games. Uh, we have a game that we're playing on Wednesdays. We've played a few uh, with uh, some of our other, other online friends and associates. And we do use D&D &D Beyond a, a fair bit. We've bought most of the books that we need to get it up and running, uh, at least the core books and a few of the, the satellite books, not necessarily the modules, because we run our own stuff. But uh, we do have it. it. It's active for our group. They enjoy it because they don't have to keep buying books. They'll they'll re reference that on their tablets quite a bit, and that's something we do for our group. So it it I do like the resource. I think it's excellent. Uh, they're expanding on it all the time. Dice roller does make things easy. We have one gentleman who for he gamed with us for quite a few years, and he still had the damnedest time trying to pick his his d twenty from his d twelve. Uh, to the point we laid actually a piece of paper and wrote D20, 12, 8, 10 percentile and set the die in front of each one of them. <laughs> and he would pick it up, roll it, and put it right back where it was. Uh, and after a couple of years, he was still had to, And so that would be absolutely perfect for him because it literally listed out. He can click on it, roll it, and he's all happy. Some people just don't get the polyhedron. And I, I don't know if it's a... a, 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 a um, a fault of theirs through spatial awareness or <laughs> I, I don't get it. Uh, I, I swear I can just pop one in my mouth and know what it is and what it rolled, but that's, yeah, I, I, that's just me, I guess uh, I might be a little unique in that particular case, but uh, yeah, I love drug drive through RPG. When you go, I like to roll the D 12 and consider it hard mode. <laughs> When you guys do, you, you talk about playing games and wrapping up like a, a two-year campaign and stuff like that. Where do you guys see most of your games? I mean, do you guys, you said you like the adventure and the journey. Is that usually a long one? Uh, I guess from that standpoint of my frustration with a lot of like, we will check out the campaigns and stuff. And it, it always does feel like we're level one, we get to level 12 and somehow we have saved the world and, and moved on. Um, do you guys play long-term high-end campaigns or do you guys like that? kind of seems to be that sweet spot of like fourth through eighth level that they keep putting out for us. No, um, our week long game, we've, uh, advanced our characters up to 10th and 12th level. And now we're, we just before pandemic, we were looking to jump to those characters and continue, uh, saving the world. It's on hold at the moment. We're not too sure if we're going to go back to it. We're still trying to, you know, hammer that out. We want to make sure everyone is comfortable and feels safe and comfortable. They're not quite there yet, so we'll we'll see what happens yeah. in the in the future. But right now, it's kind of on a hiatus. In the meantime, we do enjoy building the character from ground up. We have no problem continuing with the characters if someone's willing to run it, and we have run some characters up to some pretty high levels. I want to talk technical side of podcasting because I think a lot of people think, hey, podcast, we can do that. It's easy. We'll jump in. We'll buy a microphone and we'll just try it. Um, I, I was reading through some of the notes that Lou and I traded back and forth uh, back in June. And, and he was saying, you know, some of the growing pains that you guys were having. And I was talking about some of the stuff that we went through. I was just wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about some of the issues that you guys faced as you were starting up and getting going and, and how you overcame those. Um, first problem for me was learning how to turn on the mic. I, I am not a tech guy that we have a Lou for that. I'm the old guy that just sits here and talks when they say talk. Uh, I, I've gotten better. 
Uh, it's surprising how I can follow Lou's conversations, and sometimes Scott looks at me the same way I look at Lou. But uh, <laughs> we're, we've gotten better. I think that a lot of it, it was just, what do we do with this equipment? Uh, we did a lot of research. Lou did a lot of research about what we should be using for our, our recording devices and our audio devices, what mics we should be using. Are we going to be going through you know, USB or XLR cabling and you know all that other tech, tech stuff? What, what headphones should we be using that sound good, that don't sound tinny so we can hear what everyone else is hearing? Um, and after we hammered that out, because we do... Be, the advantage of being older is that you learn to try to, you know, measure twice, cut once. So we did our research. We looked for the, we, and also being older, we have the availability to turn on and go, oh, well, that's $300. Oh, okay. Because we're all pretty set in our jobs and we're all financially solid and we have our homes and the kids are gone for the ones that have kids. I've been forbidden by the government to breed. So the, um, you can, you can, the expense isn't as prohibitive for us as it has been for a lot of people. So we try to make sure we sound good. Uh, Lou makes us sound even better, especially. We, we just do the best we can with what we have. And we just, we're, but we try to get the best we can for software, for hardware, for mics. We try to set a neutral environment. My wife is absolutely um, saint-like when it comes to being quiet around the house. She's by herself. She'll eat down the stairs and put a couple snacks or, or as, as I referred to her on several occasions, she's my beer fairy because I'll be writing or I'll be doing something and I'll just look and there'll be a beer next to me. And I'm, I'm like, damn, where did that, the beer fairy left me a beer because um, she knows that I probably wanted a beer and I won't even notice she's there. So uh, it, there's, there were a lot of technical issues and a lot of it was just learning the tech, you know, learning what does what, what hooks up here. Um, and then a lot of it was just hammering out the speaking. We, we write out a little bit, but we don't script too often. When we do the big lore episodes, we did an episode on Beholders, on the Illithid, uh, on Vecna. The, those are our plus long episodes that were basically a lot of research and, and, and lore based. Those are scripted. For the most part, it's bullet points and just speaking from the top of our heads. And that's kind of what we've gotten into is, is a few bullet points. These are our talking points and off we go. And it's his perspective, my perspective, oftenly they don't match. And that's kind of how we come about it. Uh, I, I think that pretty much sums it up as far as I, the, the tech bar for me was easy. I have a Lou tech part for scott was easy we have a lou lou is a tech guy and has been before he even came in so he's he's done the lion's share of figuring out what we should be doing and how we should be doing it and he'll come back and say i recorded that and bill uh, you're saying a lot of um 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 and scott you're going um um and stop smacking your lips and please don't breathe to stop breathing on the mic <sighs> you know uh, he, he comes down here with the whip and he sets us back to, to, you know, neutral and we go from there. I said, I, I'm probably his biggest challenge. 
as far as editing is concerned. Sorry, Lou. I know he's going to listen to this, and I want to publicly say I'm sorry. Uh, Scott is the more eloquent of of the two of us. Um, I I just throw in my perspective as as best I can and try to keep from offending as many people as possible, or as few people as possible. I don't know. It depends on how I'm looking at it that day. Hope that answered your question. <laughs> it sounded more like a ramble to me. <laughs> That's right. I'm used to rambling. <laughs> so, uh, go ahead. I was going to say, you, you mentioned doing the deep dives and the lores and stuff like that. Uh, Patrick, as a DM, has his favorite monster. Uh, what's your favorite monster? Beholders. Uh, I love Beholders, but my favorite monster is the Rust Monster. I nope, killed an beholders. entire... I'm just going to change your mind. It's Beholders. No, I don't like I, either I, one of you. So. I, I did a TPK with a Rust Monster. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, man. Was we've easy. seen some of that, haven't we? And um, it was more bad dice rolls on the player's part, good rolls on mm. mine, and I tried to save it. But uh, as we've mentioned in one of our episodes, sometimes you recognize that too late, and a TPK is going to happen, and there's nothing you can do to stop it. And the uh, TPK to party with a, a rust monster. So, yeah, it, it was it was epic. When, I do love beholders because bad. they are. Yeah, yeah, I do love the the beholders because they are a nasty, nasty ass critter, critter, and it has so many different ways to to just mess you up. I do enjoy shadows. Hmm. I can I can kill an entire town off in three nights with a shadow. And if the if the player characters aren't that careful, terrifying. I, uh, yeah, and it's not traditionally that powerful of a character, or of a monster, but played in a in a fashion that would um, accentuate its uh, its abilities. I, I can turn it into an extremely formidable creature makes sense but then again i did that with a rust monster so i that might just be me <laughs> was it just four fighters no no there was casters there was they had a full party there was a there was six or seven of them it was very well diversified <laughs> yeah but see, i have optional rules that i'll throw on the table like i mm -hmm. i'll have a critical hit and, and a critical fumble tables that i let the table everyone look at ahead of time and say do you want to use these and it has to be a unanimous vote if they okay. do, if they do, they do. Uh, I also will, uh, in the earlier editions, now I'm, I'm talking a ways back, where if a magic item was destroyed, you had a certain percentage chance of it exploding, doing X amount of D10 damage. Uh, and anything in the area of effect would have to make a save. And a rust monster bring, attacking a magical item had a save against that attack, but if it failed, it would de deteriorate. And at one point, it deteriorated deteriorated to the point where it had exploded and set off a chain reaction yeah. through the entire party. Because uh, <laughs> I was like, all right, we'll roll a, roll a save on your magic items. Oh, yeah, just, you know, it's a, uh, it percentile. It's only five or less. I rolled a two. Yeah. You did what? Um, okay, your magic Ooh. item exploded too. And in a, in a very quick succession of uh, pretty much everyone, and if you didn't, if your magic item saved, the one to either side of you failed and took damage from both of those because it's a radius effect. Yeah. And you know, so now you're making <laughs> multiple saves on it all because that one 
bad role in the beginning and eventually it basically became a chain reaction of all the magic items blowing up and left probably a quarter mile crater by the time i got done with them and they, Gosh, they guys, find and, sounds... a, and a fine mist that used to be the party that sounds like somebody throwing darkness on him uh, on a medusa <laughs> and hoping like hell that that works and it not working and we damn near lose the, the entire party <laughs> yeah bad decisions it, it, it was, yeah it, it, it was more a happenstance than anything else and it could have been just that one thing and he would have taken the damage and and he probably would have sucked mm -hmm. it up because it was your frontline tank and he would have sucked up the damage and it would have hurt like hell but he would have been out of weapon and survived but no the person standing too close to him their their magic item failed to save it blew up which did more damage to the poor sob that was holding the first one in the first place so he goes down and and it just went right down the line bing 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 because there's a reason why you shouldn't be walking any closer than 10 feet to the person in front of you. Right. <laughs> well, I think that's... To, to I, this day, I, I will not put any of my characters within 10 feet of anybody else, especially the frontline people. I, I unless think, I'm fighting side by side with them, you know, but... Mm -hmm. That definitely does go back to the, the dice tell the story. I mean, you couldn't have... You couldn't have made it that epic. And yeah, you probably lost the table at that time or whatever, but... You talk about a lifelong story that happened. You know what I mean? Like, who could be mad at that? Like, you're oh, just like every every one of them. None of them were mad. They're all like, "That is probably the coolest thing I've ever seen." The greatest like, death we, in history. We, we 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 literally were were ground zero to a nuclear explosion. It was our own damn fault. That was cool. All right, I'm gonna make a new character. Would it be his brother <laughs> so, and uh, yeah. go back and find all the loot that didn't explode? <laughs> Right. Yeah, uh, uh, twins and twin sisters and all this other fun stuff that you do real quick because you just nuked the whole party with a rust. Earl, monster. son of Earl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, awesome. Yeah, that that was how I killed an entire party with a rust monster. So they it it is endeared to my heart. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's awesome! I, I love it. Fellas, any more questions before, uh, for Bill before we wrap up? I don't think so. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, it's nice to hear the experience and hear a different side of it again because we're all fairly fresh um, as far as playing together as a group. And hopefully we can hit the 30-year uh, mark together and uh, 50 years of playing. i got to live that long first. But got to make <laughs> it that long. But... I, have, I have every con confidence, and I'll send you a few potions to help. Perfect. <laughs> can't be around for 622 years and not have something up your sleeve a little bit that's right it's been great to <laughs> how pick your often brain. yeah yeah how often do you guys produce your show uh we uh produce well we, we record uh pretty much every monday uh we do and we do short content that scott and i record ourselves and through audacity and send it off to lou and he'll edit but we we drop uh, monday night at midnight and we drop tuesday night at midnight so we, we're dropping two episodes a week we do long content on monday and we do short content on tuesday so we have two drops a week this week was our uh anniversary week that just went by and we dropped every single day of the week just kind of as a as a thank you to our listeners and do a whole bunch of stuff out there so uh, give us a listen and where can people where can they find you? Uh, they can find us at the dungeonmastersdojo.com. So could you go to our website? You can find us there. You can find our podcast. You can find our blog. Uh, we have merch. We have an affiliate store as well. 
And uh, come on, check us out because uh, we're just a bunch of old guys trying to help people that want a different perspective on the game or have just started and are not quite sure to how to go about being a game master and sometimes a player. So reach out to us, give us a give us a holler, uh, leave us a, a like on and a comment on Facebook. We're on Apple Podcasts. And uh, Spotify, you can find us pretty much on any platform out there. Dungeon Master Dojo releasing every Monday with the long content and short content on Tuesdays. Bill, thank you so much for joining us this week. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, guys. I really do appreciate this. Um, and with any luck, I did my two companions justice. <laughs> I, I think they can be proud. For sure. <laughs> Yeah, and they'll be that. happy that you I did a rust monster some justice oh <laughs> uh, well yeah yeah you know when they when the whole save the rust monster came out i was forefront on that one <laughs> well folks that is our show for this week we want to thank bill once again for joining us join us next week as we're hoping 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 to finally get that interview with mark reinhagen we did have some technical difficulties this morning where mark and i are going to try and get that worked out next uh tomorrow so hopefully we can get that fixed and we'll still have that interview for you guys next week until then thank you so much for listening bye everybody thank you have a good one take care guys